You're listening to the Make Love to Life podcast. So let's make love to life. The feminine is a paradox. It is not that she's not doing. She's doing everything by knowing what she wants and needs and then allows for it to happen, to unfold, without forcing anything. She guides by magnetizing, being more efficient in getting things done by not planning for it to get done because the feminine is timeless. It is not airy flow, it's water flow. Water that flows on the earth and underground. It's rooted flow, nourishing flow. Life force guiding the way in its own timing. That's the feminine. <laughs> so this is a, a little something that I wrote for myself in my diary to kind of redefine or get closer to the essence of, of what it is that I've been experiencing regarding the feminine. And I feel a necessity for many of us, no, especially women, especially strong independent women or entrepreneurial women, <laughs> to redefine really what is the true feminine essence? Um, because a lot of it that has been taught and shared and it's still masked through the masculine. No, the one that wants to be recognized or has something to prove in what it means to be strong. And even the word strong, no, like I feel like actually the strength lies within the softness and to really tap into that power requires something very indirect and abstract, but has significant effect without wanting to cause for that effect. So anyway, <laughs> before I start philosophizing even deeper, now that I'm approaching my birth, it's been a subject that I feel like, okay, I want to record this as like a, a final podcast, hopefully, before the birth, not to... Yeah, to share, to contemplate with you, um, mainly because I've gotten such positive reactions on my previous podcast, which was Surrender to the Feminine. And when I look at all the lessons I've learned through this journey of pregnancy, and I'm sure there's a lot more waiting for me in the initiation of birth giving, and as well the first steps of motherhood, no? Like I feel like, what? I get goosebumps talking about it right now. Because I feel like, oh my God, it's, you know, already I feel like such a world has opened up to me regarding teachings of the feminine. Um, and I can see, or let's say I can get hunches of like how my work will transform once I decide to get back to work. Like right now I'm just sharing out of passion and because I love sharing and expressing and I love connecting with people and, and feeling that there is a resonance, whether you're pregnant or not. What I've seen is that when I speak from these humble discoveries and they feel like treasures, it's like things click into place for people who are listening. And it's, yeah, it just feels very nourishing. So I want to say thank you for all the reactions I got on my last podcast. 
and I hope that this um, journey will continue to deepen uh, with you. <laughs> so it's interesting because I've attempted to record this a couple of times and the last time actually quite frustrated me um, because of the extreme experience of the feminine that I am in right now. Um, the altered state of consciousness that a pregnant woman can enter. And I say it like that because it is clear that it doesn't happen for everyone. And it is clear that this altered state of consciousness requires certain elements to be in place, no? And I'll get into that in a moment. I mean, the man is, is a very um, primary uh, aspect that needs to be in place, like a supportive man. A man who creates, um, yeah, just the, the right environment in, in, in the way that he can contribute, no, as, as the, the father, the partner, the lover, uh, the husband. Um, and so when that is in, in place and the woman can really let go of everything, <laughs> um, she's able to sink into this altered state of consciousness and it's the most precious experience I've had, like naturally, no, I've, I've worked a lot with plant medicine and I might actually share an anecdote in this podcast of a couple of those experiences because I, I really went quite deep for about 10 years, no, with, with plant medicine. And so, you know, when we do these practices, whether it's meditation or Tantra or plant medicine or whatever ancient techniques have been created in order for us to tap deeper into layers of consciousness. It prepares us for, for certain experiences, no, like this rite of passage that I'm in right now. And yet to experience this altered state of consciousness almost, uh, continuously, you know, like a constant, um, has been really, really valuable. And this is kind of what I want to tap into today in looking at the value of the feminine. I'm going to play around to see like which title I want to use because the value of the feminine is really what I wanted to call it initially uh, because I feel like core values within themselves are masculine and even the way that we value ourselves as women from our feminine is again very often masculine. It's like, oh my God, how can we get around it? How can we get to that blind spot that is lingering on the border, in the peripheral, that is really where the humble, soft, most incredible power of the feminine is hiding. I almost want to say it like that, because it's not exactly hiding, but it's such a paradox within itself that in order to get there, it's like this the subtlety and the way that you see or experience has to just click slightly. And it's very often like such a, sh a subtle shift, but with an ex like a very profound change in the way that we experience reality or see ourselves as women, no? And the power that we carry. So anyway, <laughs> as you can hear, I'm drifting off from the point I'm trying to make. Um, I got frustrated, uh, earlier, a couple of days ago when I tried recording this because my brain is in such a different state that keeping track of what I'm saying is very hard. Keeping track of time is hard. Uh, continuing coming back to the point is hard. I am so ultimately present in the moment that gluing pieces together is becoming 
harder and harder as I'm approaching birth. Like I see, you know, in a moment I'll read out uh, some pages in which I describe for myself in my diary uh, what this altered state of consciousness is. Um, But in one sentence I can say it's the most dreamy state and the most grounded embodied state. It's just wow. And so I've decided I want to share and I am looking at these pages in front of me with different notes of, of what I want to, you know, contemplate with you about because I have questions for you, not like to go inward with yourself. This is not a podcast in which I share what I think is the truth, but rather share my discoveries and have you think for yourself. <laughs> How would you redefine your femininity? What is it within your expression currently that you can really see like, oh yeah, this is when I tap into my power as a woman. It's almost like I want to have a conversation with you and I'm asking for your patience because I am going to lose track of what I'm saying and I may jump about a little bit with anecdotes and things that I want to incorporate. So it's just going to be like that. (laughs) We have no choice. (laughs) So... I was contemplating using the title, The Value of the Feminine. But before I go into this more analytical interpretation of, you know, how to differentiate male versus female or masculine versus feminine core values and how we can sort of navigate that in life, um, there's another title that I contemplated, which is a little lighter and a little bit more fantasy rich in its interpretation. And that's the title of Princess versus Queen. And I think it's a very interesting archetypical way of looking at the subject of femininity because the way that the princess expresses her feminine is very, very different to the queen. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because Ruan and I both chose one word for this year um, as our yearly intention. No, like I like working with one word intentions for yearly intentions, because it's just very easy to navigate the year and keep being reminded of that one word. So his word is kingship. You know, for him, it's really about the embodiment of what it means to be a king to our kingdom and to provide in a way that's very, very different. No, like once you create a family, something changes in the approach or uh, the sense of responsibility that comes with this change in a man Um, because men and women both obviously have to sacrifice when creating a family or when committing to building a strong foundation as such yeah and i recently learned i mean it seems so obvious now that i know it i recently learned that sacrifice i mean it seems so like i don't know detrimental at times no like i've had a whole (laughs) story with the feeling of like how much a woman sacrifices but sacrifice comes from that which we make sacred so it's like the understanding that what we give in order to allow for this to happen is a space created in sacred intention and there is no way we can go through this rite of passage without clearing aspects of who we were in order to become who we are meant to be in order to create that space for this new life to come and so Anyway, the sacrifice that a man goes through is is different, but there's no comparison. It's just how it is. So anyway, his word is kingship, and it 
allowed me to go a little bit deeper, no, in, in like just for fun, contemplating like, yeah, you know, my word is love and it feels really fitting as the queen, no, to just kind of go into these archetypes because a king is not, even though he's the one who may direct in a very obvious way, there is a particular directing that happens from the woman that is more indirect. And yet the contribution is equal, even though they're contributing from various aspects. And so when I look at the queen, there's a certain calmness that I perceive in this archetype because she's embodying her wisdom. She knows she can trust in her instincts and intuition. And it actually requires her to be fully tapped into her feminine in order for those qualities to rise. Yeah, she's just in connection with her body and therefore understanding the roots of her emotions, no? Which, even though I'm saying there is a particular serenity or calm that I perceive in this archetype, it doesn't mean that she doesn't have emotional outbursts. I think that this is absolutely part of the power of the woman if she allows herself to be open to it. Because obviously, you know, in my pregnancy, I've had moments where certain things that I was experiencing were extremely amplified, um, both in the ecstasy, in the love and the bliss and the connection to the universe. And like, oh my God, I have no words to describe this like ultimate state of love. And then of course, I've had moments where, for example, I saw layers of my previous self literally die away, no? or very much in the beginning of my pregnancy, as I mentioned in my previous podcast, um, there was that struggle of like, okay, I'm choosing to let go of my work for now because I want to and I need to. And everything was guiding me into that direction. And I felt it as like such a gift to myself. Like I am worthy of that, to create that space and to indulge in the experience of being pregnant and to allow this transformation to guide me slowly towards who am I, you know, later on as quote unquote, an intimacy life coach or whatever it is that I will share with the world. No, like it will change. And to create that space feels like a gift. The fact that I can choose to do that. And yet there was an emotional swirl that went along with that decision-making. And I do believe that that's the power of the feminine if she allows it. And it's not dramatic. It's especially when it's something that needs to be felt. Because if we then tap into our rational mind and make the decision as such, then those emotions have not been expressed and they just linger inside and will boomerang back again. And very often away from the subject that actually wants to be felt, no? And so I'm not saying that the queen is not emotional, that she doesn't have these outbursts beyond herself, but there's a taking responsibility. There's a connection to the body and understanding where it's coming from and why it is valid to be felt. And so whereas, you know, the princess can, for example, get stuck in those emotional swirls or can even use those emotions to create drama to get certain attention or get certain reactions... And it's very easy to, to use these words in a quite black and white way. For example, you know, victim consciousness, which doesn't necessarily mean you are the victim of what it is that is happening to you. 
but also taking too much responsibility and too much, you know, self-blame is also, again, some twisted way of tapping into that. It's hard for me to use the word manipulation, but there's something there in the neediness, in the using of emotional expressions that is very different in the way that a princess would maneuver these waves versus a queen. And when I use these descriptions, I honestly want to be really honest and admit that, yeah, I've been there too. Even in the years that I was consciously dating and in healthy relationships, I can see that there was not the deeper embodiment of what a queen really represents, even though I felt really connected and really grounded within myself and very conscious of everything that was moving. Now that I am where I am, I can see that there's a certain serenity that wasn't experienced before. And again, I feel like that has everything to do with the surrender, the opening up, and the allowing of the support of the masculine to allow this queen to rise, no? So what is interesting, because I kind of want to direct this towards what I observe in the world, no? Obviously, before I took my maternity leave, most of my clients came to me either for my course Dare to Love or to do one-on-one -on -one sessions on this topic of how to attract your life partner, how to basically be in the resonance, no? Because it's all law of attraction. It's like how to be in the resonance where you will magnetize that into your life. What is the work that is required in order to create that space, no? Like referring back to sacrifice. It's like, yeah, patterns have to be sacrificed. Clinging on to past experiences have to be sacrificed. And it seems like we all want that, but it's not as easily done as it is said. And so those processes is really what I loved doing the most with people you know, going through difficult experiences of the past, whether it was ancestral and childhood related, or whether it was a particular pattern in dating, um, or views, no, like the beliefs that we have regarding dating in itself, or men, or women, or whatever, and how to reframe that, how to create that space, first of all, to release it, to let go, and how to then reframe new beliefs, embody them, and repeat them in a way that they actually click into place so that your resonance isn't just a shift in the moment, but rather something that grows and grows and grows as you start practicing that resonance in your daily life and therefore, as a natural consequence, attract your partner. And so this subject of like love and relationship, it still very much fascinates me and Pregnancy has allowed me to see things through a different lens, particularly um, the women who fall in the category of where I was in, no? The entrepreneur, the strong independent, she shares her gifts, she knows her purpose, she has many answers and often guides other people. And this is a, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be like that for everyone, but let's just say the strong independent woman, because they can fall under all, under all kinds of categories and doesn't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur, no? And what I see is that there's something about this archetype that is not offering the space for a truly masculine man to walk in. Like, it requires us as women to really state for ourselves 
what is the most important in my life right now. And so, for example, I had a, a really beautiful conversation with Ruan about this. Um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago because he was preparing for a podcast of his own. And, and maybe I'll, I'll put this link in the description um, because what we were contemplating about is like, you know, women reaching a particular age where the biological clock will start to ring and there's more of a sense of pressure to find a life partner and yet the way that they have constructed life is almost like a self-sabotage that gets in the way of what they truly want. So what Ruan observed is that he's either seen women who don't really grow up, they kind of linger in this uh, 20s mentality, even though they're in their 30s, and then suddenly wake up and realize it's too late. So that's not really too much part of my own uh, observation of the women that I'm in contact with. With me, it's really uh, prioritizing these masculine qualities, which can be very mature and can be really satisfying. No, like it's ultimately satisfying to see your business grow and to see the effect that you have through your purpose and through the embodiment of everything you've experienced and being able to help others, etc. Like there's something highly satisfying in that. And yet... It's a drive that comes from the masculine. And here we can make the shift to really distinguishing or differentiating how do you value your masculine, which is everything I just described, and how do you value your feminine, which is realizing there is a fertility window. And the way that women move through these archetypical expressions, no? Like the child, the maiden, the mother, and the crown. They're guided through our hormonal shifts that take place in life and to honor each phase and to recognize the time limit connected to it requires us to really see and value what is it that I truly want in life and how can I sacrifice space, energy, time and certain characteristics even of myself in order to allow that value to be met, to be reciprocated by the universe, and for that magnetism to actually work out. Because in many of the strong independent women, that priority is not set clearly enough to the point where there is no space in their life to be met by a, a man where they can just let go, which seems to be really, really the desire of so many women. I mean, including myself, no? Like, I feel like that was my work to really see where am I resisting that support that I crave? And why is it that no man I've dated until now, obviously, was able to provide me that space? Because I wasn't offering that space. There was no space for them to really step up. So through the experience of being pregnant, and I mean, I even want to say like it started beforehand. It started really when I came to Thailand and opened up to this love and opened up to allowing all the shifts of everything I've prayed for to occur. And the layers of the surrender to the feminine that it required were like the preparation in order to allow for this pregnancy to be as magical as it has been. Um, yeah, it was like a preparation that was needed. And so throughout this journey, I've had multiple moments where this thought came 
And it was like, okay, sure, you know, there's these strong women with their beliefs regarding feminism and so on, and what it means to be strong and powerful and confident and da la 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 that's all really great and we can analyze about it nonstop. But a part of me recognized that maybe what is stopping some of us from getting there to be with a partner or fulfill that dream of, of motherhood or creating a family, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, this is the ideal picture that everyone wants. But I am addressing a, a issue that I see many people struggle with. And it's just too obvious for me not to talk about it. So I don't want to generalize that everyone wants to have a family. By all means, I think it's really great if you, uh, in a very conscious way, choose for yourself that it's not. But very often I see these excuses being created for why they wouldn't want that in their lives. And it's simply to avoid really going deeper into that subject. Again, I don't want to say this black and white, that this is the truth for everyone, but it is an observation uh, I have made, but one has made. And when I really openly talk to, I don't know, either clients or girlfriends, it's just really obvious, like, come on, we can't deny this. So anyway, in this experience that I've had ever since I uh, fell into this amazing relationship with Ruan and allowing all of these aspects of myself that haven't had the space to really flourish to come out before pregnancy, obviously during pregnancy, it made me think that, wow, maybe we're stopping ourselves because we're so afraid of this gigantic shift to occur. It's like, it's so freaking profound. And I haven't yet even birthed, no? But the change, the transformation, the needing to shift what was priority and no longer is as well as how do I find my value as a woman, which is completely different to the way I maneuvered life when my purpose was my golden number one. That's literally how I used to call it for over a decade. I've had multiple businesses, I've created multiple products and services, and I've worked with God knows how many clients. And so that aim of like, how do I transform what I've learned, my wisdom into teachings and share it and watch the growth of others and, you know, really step into a humble expression of who I am as a guide and using my senses to the best of my abilities for the benefit of the other. There is a gratification that comes that's very different to where I am now, where I'm so ultimately present, so ultimately absorbed in this altered state of consciousness of my feminine in which I see that, okay, bueno, this is a very unique moment in time, but looking at these qualities that will for sure amplify even more once our little angel is on earth <laughs> and I step into motherhood and I allow for this integration to happen. No, I'm, I'm really going to take my time to allow it. Like there's no directing when I should be getting back to work. Like I'm just going to allow it to flow and unfold and see where life is guiding me towards. And so when I look at, okay, how to get the satisfaction of valuing myself in my feminine expression requires a drastic shift in what I believe value is all about. Because in masculine terms, it can be measured, right? It's like, it's time and space. Like some of the notes that I wrote down regarding 
core values is like when you look at core values within themselves, like integrity or respect, it's obvious. It's like it either is or isn't. Like you're either respecting or you're not. You're either in integrity or you're not. Whereas the feminine cannot be measured in such black and white ways. Because, you know, the moment I started contemplating, okay, what is the counter opposite core value from the feminine viewpoint uh, in relation to things like, you know, truth and integrity and respect and all of these amazing guidelines not to really create a foundation for life. The feminine is so much more abstract and immeasurable, if you ask me, maybe you disagree, but to me it feels immeasurable because it's constantly moving and evolving. So for example, if we look at vulnerability, what is vulnerable to one person may not actually reach the depth of vulnerability that another person needs in order to feel connected to someone, right? And depending who we talk to, we either feel the safety of opening up or we don't. So even when we say, you know, we value openness and vulnerability, this fluctuates. Like, I am extremely open. I want to go extremely deep with the people I value in my life most. It's a requirement for me to say, you are my friend. Uh, I don't take friendship lightly. Yeah, it's, it's the, yeah, one of the most important aspects of life. The connections, relations, family friendships and the way that we nourish these connections through the masculine core values like truth etc and yet there's this feminine layer that is super important and it fluctuates right like it depends where is this person at i, I can't just be vulnerable when they're going through a deep process or in another occasion it might be exactly what you need because you know the value of that friendship and you know that person will create the space if you are going through something deep. So anyway, I can contemplate about this very long, but what I'm getting to is that the way that we value these aspects of the feminine expression is just very different. And so a couple of weeks ago, for myself, there was a bit of a struggle happening where it was basically that I saw a very important part of myself die. Even though I've prepared myself throughout this pregnancy for that to happen. And it's this masculine expression of me that I'm very comfortable with. Not that the independent, the entrepreneur, you name it. The way that I'm there for others. And it's like that will always be there, but it will change forever. And in order for that change to occur, I have to fully indulge and allow this feminine to come out, the mother in me. And so I think many women must go through this where there's a sudden, like, oh my God, am I going to disappear the moment I become a mother? Is my whole world going to evaporate the way that I know it or the way that I value myself? And is it is it just going to be in the offering that the woman makes for her family and her child or children? and husband. No, there, there was a moment where I was like, uh, comparing myself perhaps a little bit too much to Ruan. No, it's like, yeah, the father goes through his own lessons and integrations and transformation that probably I cannot fully understand as a woman. However, when I tapped into this comparison, I was like, yeah, however, he 
can still continue most of his projects or allow his brain to operate with the same clarity that he's used to um, if he creates the space and the environment in order to give sessions or to create his podcast or to study the things he wants to study or, you know, we're working on this new business concept. So he can just do all of that and create the space in the way that he wants to. Whereas for me, even if I wanted that, there isn't really that space or this book that I keep talking about. No, it's like, I was sure that I was going to finish this book during the pregnancy and it just hasn't happened mainly because we've been on the road and different phases require different attention, but also because of this pregnancy brain where the clarity is just not the same. And then, I don't know, especially now in this final stage, it's like I am in such ultimate state of presence that it doesn't seem so important right now. And yet there's a part of me that definitely wants to make this book. And I already see the sequence that will come after this book. And I can see myself writing more books and really filling it with as many stories as I can. Because I think stories is really the way that we learn the best, as opposed to people claiming and preaching their teachings. No, So it feels like fun. And yet I don't know when will be the right time in the future that that clarity can come to me to step into that again. So a couple of weeks ago, I had this struggle and I was comparing myself. And throughout that struggle and watching this piece of me die as birth is approaching, even though these are things that I worked through in earlier stages of the pregnancy, I think there's something that happens the moment birth approaches. And so for me, it had to do with this, no, and the independence and how I value myself and this and that. Blah, blah, blah. And I recognized that it really required me to change how I value the contribution I give as a woman or how I step up in my feminine leadership as a queen in this relationship. Because a princess might, you know, take on certain aspects of the king quality, no? Like leadership and guidance in a very obvious way or directing or whatever, teaching, steering, guiding, and see herself as like a strong feminine archetype. Whereas the queen doesn't need to do that because the way that she guides is way more mystical. And like I shared in the thing that I read out in the very beginning of this podcast, you know, how I redefine the feminine and how the feminine is this paradox who gets everything done by not needing it to be done or not pushing it to be done, not planning for it to get done. And it's, it's hard to put my finger on it because I think many of us require for time to be present in our lives in order to get things accomplished. And yet the experimentation that life has provided me with has a lot to do with the concept of timelessness and how much more flow there is in tapping into, okay, is this a moment to record this podcast? Because the last time I tried to, I was coming from, I have to do it now because maybe I give birth in a week. So I want to share this. So let's record. And I was going against my flow. I was demanding myself to be in this passionate, creative space in which I want to share, and it wasn't working out. Whereas today, I was like, okay, I'm going to see how I feel. 
I'm definitely sleepy, dreamy. It's there's a big chance that whatever I record won't really be able to stick together in a coherent way of sharing because my brain is just where it is. And yet it felt right, so I went with it. And the only moments throughout this pregnancy where I have had emotional outbursts beyond myself in which I struggled accepting what I was feeling or accepting the change that was occurring was when I stepped into the concept of time. So when we got this house, for example, obviously there's this nesting that is required. And I do believe it has everything to do with the safety that a woman needs in order to be able to give birth. I mean, it's one plus one is two in, in my world. Mammals go to dark places to give birth. And if they feel a threat, they will stop the birth halfway and move to another location where they feel safe in order to open up like that. No, it's very obvious. And we operate in the same way. So if I'm in a house that is not furnished and things still need to be done and, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, my, my body shut off. But what happened to my brain is like full activation in quite an unrealistic way of how little time there was left before the birth and how much needed to be done. And it stressed me out, no? So, like I said, it was irrational, but it pulled me. It was semi-irrational. It was rational and irrational, but it pulled me out of this altered state of consciousness completely. It pulled me out of my creative flow. It, cre it pulled me out of flow. It was forceful. It was planned. It was a list of things that needed to be done. And it was helpful. And we definitely managed. And the question is also, how could that have been accomplished in a more feminine way? And I think that this is really the point I want to make, because when I think about how will I get back into my work, let's say in a year from now, how will I guide, how will I maneuver my work without needing to be so connected to time? And how will I pass on these teachings of the feminine without people getting ungrounded? Because again, it's like I say, this altered state of consciousness is so dreamy and yet so embodied. It is the queen. It is not the princess who flows wherever, um, you know, the, the, the most subtle hush of an emotional experience moves her towards and she drowns in it. It's like, no, it's super grounded. It's super embodied. It's the water flow underground. No, it's connected. It's, it's sensitive and super mystical, but it doesn't push things to happen or to occur. And so another thing I wanted to point out is like, okay, this connection to time has been very obvious to me. When I'm in it, I cannot tap into my, my, my femininity. And the other thing is being open uh, versus thinking I need to do it myself. So for example, the one always reminds me that it's never about how intense my emotional expressions are. As long as I'm open, it's fine. Uh, it really doesn't matter. Like he's there. If he feels included, if he feels me open, that's all he wants, no? Or that's all he needs in order for his masculinity to be able to provide the space to support. Because if I step into this mentality of like, oh, I have to be independent. I have to take care of this, which is the narrative I had most of my life, right? Like this ultra independence. And sometimes it comes up because I don't want to 
bother him or take too much attention or la la la, the excuses we make for ourselves. But what happens in that moment is we stop being open. And therefore we stop the flow of the power of the feminine to come because no matter what is being felt, if we remain open, whether we include our partners or not, whether we include anyone or not, if we are open to what is needed to be felt and open to allow this flow to guide us, we tap into almost like a clairvoyance of understanding what it's about, what needs to be done, and to be able to let go. I'm having difficulties really using the right words because it's like what I've found for myself is that when I know what needs to be done and I let go of it, without deciding when it needs to be done or who will take care of it, whether it's me or someone else. It's like the clarity of what needs to happen is there. And if I let go and I trust, and I'm like, okay, either I'll do it in a different day when I actually feel like doing it, or someone will take care of it. Like regarding our house, it could either be the builder, the owner, Ruan, or me. No, So we're all aware of things that need to be done or bought or whatever. And when that trust is there in a timeless way, it gets done. And I've had so many of these moments where I'm just almost surprised because my narrative has been, I need to do it alone in the past, no, in the far, far past. Things that I thought I had already integrated in life, which then came recently, almost as like a, a last opportunity to clean these freaking obstacles and limited beliefs from my system before becoming an actual mother. No, even though I'm a mother, it's like the birth signifies something. The arrival of the child signifies something. And I think many of us get these last opportunities to clear out bullshit before that moment happens. And so for me, it had to do with support because support and the feminine and allowing for the feminine to be open to that extent of ultimate trust in a very grounded way, not in, not in a naive way, but really in a grounded embodied way that things occur and they're either done by others or by myself, but there is no forcing. So that's exactly what I wrote down in this redefinition in the beginning of this podcast. No, it's like it will get done and it's more efficient because there's no forcing. But to tap into that power is like, wow, many different elements need to be in place. And if I would need to summarize it, I would say, okay, obviously the woman has to be willing to move towards a space in which uh, she can feel safe or experiment with what that means. So what I mean by that is like very often women are in a situation with a man and there's potential in that relationship, but something's not exactly flowing. And when I ask them, you know, what is it that you can do to start practicing trusting him a little bit more, opening up a little bit more, doing less and being supported more? These are the little things that require a shift in consciousness and decision-making of the woman as opposed to clinging on to beliefs of the past in which the man is simply incapable. No, like this is such an old narrative that is repeated, repeated, repeated so much amongst women that is preventing them from getting where they really want to be. And so how to practice feeling safe. And I say practice or experiment like in a very playful way, like the clown archetype, like the fool who's not foolish. He's actually very trust, 
like full of trust, overflowing in trust, to the point where he knows or she knows she can play with that energy of trust, basically, no? As opposed to expecting things to go wrong and taking care of it herself. And so those are the moments that pulled me out of this altered state of consciousness. And I know there's a lot happening in pregnancy regarding, obviously, this soul in my womb, this growth on all the changes in my body. And yet I wonder, I really, really wonder how this can be part of my life forever. Not as a continuation, because it's a very forgetful state, and it won't allow me to ever finish my book, so of course, I don't think that's possible, but to really deeply fall into this state as a way of tapping into my queenness in moments that it is the best way for me to contribute and the most valuable way that I can contribute as a woman, as a lover, as a wife, as a mother, in true feminine leadership, which is not, I would say, 95% of this feminine empowerment movement, which is super feminist, which is really a masculine cover pretending to be feminine. No, So it's like, okay, but how does that soft, trustworthy, embodied, emotional, abstract, feminine expression that is super clairvoyant, how can we operate in a way and value it in the same way that we value the way that we can measure the value of our, of our masculine expression? So as I said, one of the elements that I feel need to be in place is a woman to feel safe and to consciously take steps in feeling more and more safe. And one of the undervalued and most important aspects, actually, I feel is the men. So of course, you know, it requires for the man to have done a lot of self-inquiry and inner work to reach a point where he knows his value, he knows how to provide, how to support, how to take initiative, how to guide, how to take the responsibility that it requires of a king, not a prince. Not a prince who needs um, recognition from outside to know that he's worthy, but really for that worth to sprout from within, for the confidence to be real, not superficial, and for that confidence to be the guide, no? So it's, again, of course, related to instinct and um, intuition, but in a very different way. Very, very different. It's more, yeah, it's more tangible. I think that's the right word. Because the feminine I find so invisible at times. I don't know how to put it. It's like, it's all in the energetics. So I'll give you a couple of, of um, examples where I really felt like tapping into my feminine in a way that was the leadership that we required in order to be settled in our home where we are right now. So one of them is uh, when we were house hunting, we got here on Copanyang in the rainy season. No, it wasn't the ideal time, but I thought it was the best time to look for a house because it's obviously the time where people leave the island. And it was true. I mean, it came with struggles that were unforeseen, but regardless of it, it did direct us where we needed to be. And now that we have the house, we can see like, wow, how more difficult it would have been if we would have waited. So anyway, at some point we booked an Airbnb and on the day we were meant to go to this house the woman calls and she says, because of the rain, everything has been flooded. The road has disappeared. We cannot reach this house. 
So she did her best to connect probably with her cousins and family members who rent out places to find us something accommodating. And we ended up in um, a place, let's say an area of the island we didn't even know existed, no? And as we drove to this bungalow park, I kind of joked, no? I said, oh, who knows? Maybe the universe redirected us to this part of the island because we're meant to find our house here. And the joke is that we did. Like, it's a very forested, jungly part of the island. And it has incredible paths to waterfalls and just beautiful paths to wander, no? And, and obviously we have dogs, so I walk with them every day. At the time I was still running. So yeah, through running and walking with the dogs, we encountered all kinds of different houses. And then we saw this house and it seemed like an abandoned project. We ended up leaving a note and the owner called us the next day. And that's basically how we filed or how do you say how we got our, our lease on this house. Since then, obviously we had to wait for the rain to pass and for certain things to be in order because it's a newly constructed house. But it's this, how you say, to allow yourself to be redirected and to see opportunity when things don't go exactly as you plan them to go. Because, yeah, it wasn't as simple as like leaving a note and feeling like, oh, this must be it. I had asked the universe for a clear sign. And I'm sharing this because I want you to start experimenting a little bit more, asking for very specific signs. I, I think this year has really brought me back to this playful approach of um, interacting with the universe the way that I used to do in the time that I was living in India. In India, I really opened up to my spiritual essence and the power that I have in the connection to the universe and really this oneness, no? like this interconnected oneness experience that we can have in existence if we open up to it and if we communicate with the universe or the world around. Now, I want to clearly state that there were parts of India in which I needed to go through tremendous healing, tremendous confusion, and tremendous states of being ungrounded out of my body and you name it. No, So like, even though I was tapped into this invisible world, it wasn't in a very holistic way that actually provided um, always the right kind of support that I needed in, in my life. No, it wasn't yeah, I mean, this is why I went to South America to really balance those those qualities, no, and, and bring them into the body, into the earth, in the here and now. Uh, so the way that I'm approaching it now, asking for signs or playing with this connection that I have with the universe, is coming from a very different. Um, how do I put it? It's just very different. <laughs> yeah, I feel it mature. I feel it coming from my queen, no? Rather than my princess who is needing answers from outside to come. This is more like a reflection or a confirmation. Let's put it like that. So I've been throughout this year playing with different signs and asking for things and da -da -da, like very minor, no? And as we were driving down from the north, because we drove from Pai, uh, which is in the region of Chiang Mai in the north of Thailand, we drove um, I think in about five days, all the way to the south, no? to Copenhagen. And this journey was very easeful, very light, enjoyable. And I was just filled with this sense of like, wow, we're going in the right timing, in the right moment, everything is lined up. I kept asking for funny little signs that we were on the right track. 
one of them was asking for triple four. So this triple four came through something else. No, it's not a number that I made up, but to just kind of get to the point of what I'm trying to say is that not only did I ask for a triple four, I asked for Ruan to point out the triple four to me. So that's what I mean by play with it. Don't just ask for a sign because anything can be interpreted as a sign if that's how you want to see it, right? But if you get more specific, it's undeniable. And if you get extra specific, <laughs> it starts to be really fun. And I believe that this is one of the powers of the feminine. Really, that's tapping into this state of grounded, altered state of consciousness, trust, connection with the universe and existence. And so when we arrived and we went through these struggles of finding a home and the rain and this and that, needing to wait and... I don't know, it was, and we got sick. No, there were all of these obstacles on the road. There was a moment where I doubted all those signs that had come, but I couldn't doubt it. And so it was really helpful that I had played around with these signs to realize like, okay, we have some obstacles and some hoops to jump through, but ultimately life is as such. Like you can't avoid the darkness or the struggles. No, they're part of life, come on. And when they happen in the right moment, it means that you're just ready for something to be learned or understood or something that needed to be integrated in order for us to be ready to be home. So when we found this house that we are in right now, I'd again asked for a sign. And I don't know if you remember from different posts that I've written on Instagram, but the dragonfly has been really present ever since we got pregnant. And I really see the dragonfly spirit as... um yeah, shamanic totem animal of uh, the soul of our daughter. It's just very, very clear. And so I asked for a sign in the form of a dragonfly. And the day we met with the owner of this house, and we talked about certain details that needed to fall into place before we could move in. And as we were conversing and basically making the agreement, these dragonflies came who were lovemaking. And they weren't just sitting on top of each other like, um, you know, two bricks. One was curved beneath and the other one was flying. And it was just such a rare moment of witnessing. And they weren't just passing by. They were making love and sort of like flying around us, no? To the point where the owner even noticed. It was like, what? It just felt super undeniable of this sign, of this confirmation um, of the universe, of this spirit guide, no? And now that the birth is approaching, I've also asked for the dragonfly to come back. Love making dragonflies, to be specific. For that to be a sign that the birth is about to happen. Because the birth is something that, you know, there's these ways of counting the weeks, which I don't connect with. I mean, the systems like that have nothing to do with the cyclical nature of nature <laughs> or the understanding that there are so many elements part of when a baby is ready to come to earth, uh, when they choose to, or when, yeah, it's just, oh my God, there are so many things that need to fall into place. And uh, again, timeless, right? It's not like, oh, we have 40 weeks and 42 is the maximum and then blah, 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 blah. 
It's like, no, nature has its way and it chooses. And dreams are a better way of giving an indication than counting the weeks in a calendar. It's my opinion. Because I see many people freaking out over the due date and so on. I always forget where I'm at when people say, how many weeks are you? <laughs> and then they look at me worried that I'm not counting the weeks. <laughs> and I'm worried that they are. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, what I'm trying to say is like, yes, I had a dream. Ruan and I have a feeling. And still, it's unpredictable, right? And so I've asked for this sign. And it brings a lot of peace. Because like I said, the moments I felt out, or the moments I fell out of flow was the moment I started connecting to time. Time meaning, oh, I may only have one more week of my maidenhood. What is it I want to do? Which is ridiculous, no? It's like, okay, bueno, I do want to dance as much as I can, but I will dance again. It's not like dancing will stop once I'm a mother. But I love dancing pregnant, no? And I, I love rolling around in the sand and once we give birth, I want a cocoon for 40 days. So there's certain things that I feel like, oh, maybe I should be a little bit more social. But when I really tap into forgetting about how much time we may or may not have and really just sit with what is it that this moment is um, guiding me towards, that's when I end up being more productive. Like, for example, recording this podcast. Or it's when I end up enjoying the absolute nothingness the indulgence of this altered state of consciousness. It's really indulging because it's like so precious, so rare that even though finishing certain creative projects that I've created, uh, that I've initiated, like for example, I'm, I'm writing a bedtime story book for our daughter and it's the adventures of her in the belly and I'm only halfway, you know? But it's like, yeah, that's fun. And I will finish it. But I have these days where my energy just wants me to be here now. <laughs> and there's nothing quite like it. This, uh, yeah, it's so hard to put the words, this ultimate state of presence and this dreaminess that comes with it and the clairvoyant insights. And at the same time, I often feel so, so tired, but in such a delicious way. It's like, yeah. And then on top of that, when I allow even for deeper layers to come out, there's this attachment I have to Ruan, which, you know, I'm as, especially as a independent woman, the way that I've led my life in even the best relationships I had, I never, I've never even come close to sensing an attachment the way that I do now. And I feel like it's really coming from my primal. And to allow that feels actually really good and really healthy and I think many of us resist it because we put more value in these core values that are actually coming from our masculinity and there's something beautiful as, and I'm talking specifically to like strong independent women who have more the tendency to be detached or avoidant to create that safe space in which you allow yourself to be more attached. It's like, oh my God, there's something so beautiful about it. Like I have these moments, of course I let Ruan do whatever he wants to do. Like we're very free within our commitment, no? And we have deep conversations about how do we see our family life in the future? 
And within the way that we want to construct our family life, there's going to be a lot of independence for both of us. And perhaps solo vacations as well and little trips and things that allow us to be with ourselves because there's a, a beauty and a power. Obviously, now we're stepping into baby phase, so it's a little different, but I'm just wanting to highlight that we are allergic to codependency. <laughs> we, this is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go become codependent, but I'm saying there are specific moments in time in which when we allow ourselves to um, experience this yummy attachment in leaning so much on the man that allows for, again, deeper qualities of the feminine to come out to teach and show, not as a sign of, oh, this is weakness, this is not strength, but rather to allow yourself to experience a new way of expressing your power and what that power truly is and how different it is to the way that you've perhaps valued your own power previously. So I, I yeah, I have these moments where, yeah, all, all I want is just to have him around, to touch him, to not even say anything or to smell him. And there's such ecstasy in, in those moments and such overwhelm of the sweetest of love. And especially when I see the response that the baby has in my womb when he is near. I mean, it probably has a lot to do with how I feel or how he makes me feel when he's around, but it brings me so much joy to feel their connection growing and growing and growing. Like the other night, I rolled over to, to hug him in the night and the baby just went crazy for like, I don't know, it must have been an hour or so. I couldn't sleep because there was just so much movement. And usually the movement doesn't disturb my sleep. But yeah, it's like, wow, quite incredible to see this. And so I, I just want to hook this point that I just made into what I said previously about when I was kind of contemplating, you know, how is it that women who have it all together, you know, the ones that love their purpose, um, they are confident, they are beautiful, they're connected, they do the inner work, and yet on a relational level, they haven't yet fully experienced that conscious way of relating with a man and allowing these polarizing qualities to really uplift the qualities that both parties can bring to the harmony in a healthy relationship. It's like, I see that, yeah, there's a huge part that men need to contribute, and I see that the blind spot in many women is the lack of wanting to let go of control, the lack of wanting to open up to be supported in such a way. Because the amount of support I have needed to allow since the beginning of this relationship to be where I am now, to experience this altered state of consciousness is huge. It's huge. And... I've made those decisions willingly from the heart. And so to finish off, I just wanted to share one anecdote, which has, or I mean, there are two different stories related to uh, plant medicine and related to the point that I was making earlier, which I now see I forgot to go deeper into. <laughs> Here's my pregnancy brain. The point I wanted to make when I talked about, you know, the archetype of this strong woman and how most of that value is actually coming from the masculine within her, 
and how the lack of space within her own feminine is not offering for certain wishes or desires to be fulfilled, no? That perhaps have to do with fertility. So there was one experience in plant medicine with Yopo, which is a medicine tradition from Venezuela. Uh, I'm not going to go so deep into what it is exactly or what the effects are, but it's one of my favorite medicines because this medicine is very much about presence. Um, at least that's been my experience. So for example, if you are in a Yopo ceremony and you allow the medicine to activate within you, if you are distracted, meaning you're either allowing your mind to drift off or you're allowing yourself to be distracted by the visions only, then the visions will take you into almost like a comic type of scenery that has no meaning whatsoever, to the point where you just get more and more confused, like, what the fuck? <laughs> However, if you are able to feel what you see, there is an integration that happens that can shift what you are experiencing in a way that comes with the most profound message. So the way that the messages come through this medicine is different than, let's say, ayahuasca. No, I'll give you an ayahuasca ex experience after this one as well. The journeys with Yopa are shorter, and, you know, it's always the intention that shoots the arrow. So at a certain point, this is years ago, I was probably in one of the most stressful situations in my life. To kind of summarize it, I got backstabbed by my best friend, who was my everything at the time, who I not only had a very deep sisterhood connection with, but who with whom I also created workshops and retreats. So we were on the verge of launching one of our retreats, which I obviously organized from the Peruvian side, like that was my part of the contribution. And only a couple of months before that happened, something erupted and we basically broke up. This is like the very, very short version of it. Obviously, there's a whole story to it. And it shocked my system completely um, because the intimacy between women in a friendship in a sisterhood is something very, very deep. But of course, also the trust and of course, the unexpectancy that we couldn't move through something. You know, that, that was the thing that was the most um, confronting. It's like, wow, hold on. So then what was that friendship really based on throughout all those years? And on top of that, of course, having created, invested and uh, prepared for this retreat a year prior. And now we were facing money loss and all these kind of things. So anyway, I was super stressful and touched on all levels of my existence and really, you know, making offerings and analyzing. And so with that energy, I stepped into this Yopo ceremony, wanting to shift energy, wanting to get clear, wanting to understand better or get insight or you name it. And instead, what happened in that ceremony is the only image that got revealed to me was my fertility, basically, or my future family, my future family, my husband, uh, my child. It wasn't as clear to actually show me who it was or whatever, but we were sitting outside on the grass in front of the house that I was living in in Peru, and there was such a simplicity to the love and the expression 
of this fulfillment, of this desire. And what I saw, what I caught in that moment is that the medicine was showing me like, yeah, yeah, you're going through difficult processes right now. You know, there are things to work out, to align yourself. But ultimately, it was showing me what is truly important. It's like, okay, we have hard lessons with people we care about. But it was showing me something that I deeply, deeply valued from my feminine, which was to create my own family, which is something that had been part of my prayers already for years up until that moment. No, like it was clear that that was the way that I was navigating the relationships I was having um, or the men I was choosing and questioning, no, like is this the father of my children and allowing that to be a guidance to see what the reality was. And so it was really interesting to see like, oh my God, here am I being so confronted uh, by all of these aspects that seem so important to life when actually there's this very simple truth hidden in my heart. And I had another experience quite similar years later. Um, it was the first ayahuasca ceremony I took after a two-year break. So I started working with ayahuasca in 2010 and worked very deeply, very profoundly, very intensely uh, with this plant medicine to a point where I knew I had to take a break. And that break lasted for two years. It wasn't like something that I thought was going to last for years, but it happened. And then I got close to uh, a sister who serves medicine. And so to honor her work, I wanted to um, drink with her. And it was a sister circle. It was really, really, really beautiful, really beautiful. And again, I was at a point in life where I think I had just done a combo dieta. Um, so I had purified my body completely. There were all these dark places that had come out of me unexpectedly that pushed me into doing the dieta. And I was going deep with resolving things from my past. And I had days and days of really feeling down and depressed and dark and crying a lot, um, as we do when we integrate these processes. And so I stepped into the circle with that, knowing that this was the, the safest, most loving environment surrounded by all my friends. I knew everyone in that, in that ceremony. We sang together. It was just pure sisterhood. And uh, again, I stepped in it quite seriously, you know, like, oh, I have to work through this and, um, you know, find certain answers that somehow I cannot see quite clearly yet. And again, that ceremony was all about my fertility. It was so funny. It was like a reconnection with Ayahuasca, who I hadn't connected with in two years. And, and just seeing the divinity and the deep intelligence of the universe and, and the power of interconnectedness. And especially if you've drank as much medicine as I have, there's, there's just layers of, of the secrets of the universe that are revealed. No? And so when you reconnect or remember, it's just very precious, especially when you shape a relationship with um, a spirit in, in plant medicine. And so I could have taken that ceremony anywhere, no? And yet I was in surrender. I was open to what needed to be shown. And it was all about my body, my femininity, my fertility. And I danced a lot in that ceremony and just enjoyed being a woman. <laughs> And again, I, I, I got glimpses of the family I will be creating. And I got a message, which I don't know if this was like 
a premonition of some sort, but it was the message that when I find my life partner, I will fall pregnant almost immediately. And in a way, it's kind of what happened here, no? And it's uh, it's a ceremony I got often reminded of from the moment Rowan and I got together. Yeah, I'm kind of stumbling over my words because I wanted to share a very intimate detail, but I wasn't sure, but I'll do it anyway. We could have gotten pregnant on the first day of making love. Um, yeah, I actually took a morning after pill because it was, I don't know how to describe it. There was just such a strong energy. And in that moment, I got so strongly reminded of this ceremony that I was like, okay, this really, really, really felt on the edge because the moment we met, I was ovulating. Anyway, without going into too many details, I, I chose to take that pill to just allow myself to sink in a little bit into this relationship, into this new country, to allow us to, to establish somewhat of a foundation before allowing this uh, beautiful soul to come through. Uh, it didn't take that much longer, no? But yeah, I, I laugh at it because it's like, you know, we can overcomplicate life just to kind of drift away from what I just said. Uh, and going back to the messages I received in those ceremonies, we can overcomplicate lives. We can over-dramatize, or how do you say this, make life situations and processes that we have to integrate and learn from, we can make them as dramatic and serious as we think we need in order to have something to focus on, which is really what the princess would do. No, it's like to be so absorbed in what is happening that there's a satisfaction and a gratification that comes in the way that you value yourself when you can move through this difficulty as a warrior, no? And be seen for it. That's really a point where I see the difference between women operating from their masculinity versus their femininity. Because there's something a lot more simple I am realizing regarding the true essence of a feminine that doesn't necessarily need that recognition. And this is one thing that turned me off tremendously once I became pregnant and I started to create space between me and my work and gradually moved to a point where I didn't need to work, but also just analyzing like who I've been, what I've created, where am I moving towards, what will it be like, and feeling turned off tremendously by a lot of what I was seeing on social media because it, it felt, you know, in this expansive a heightened state of pregnancy. I just felt so sensitive to everything I was reading and hearing. And it often felt like these women preaching were screaming for attention. Like, look at me, how wise I am. Look at what an incredible teacher I am. And some of them are. But when you truly are, I don't think that's necessarily what you need to do in order to be seen. And it's not the seeing that will add to the way that you believe more in what it is that you share. So to be really honest, I've had moments where a part of my ego felt like, oh, fuck, you know, now that I'm not guiding people individually, will I still plant seeds in the hearts of people? Because it's very important to me. And in that week that I was kind of struggling with that thought, I got reflections of people from my past. Literally, I mean, I've traveled the world, no? But some of these messages came from people where I could barely remember 
where we met. And it's very likely that the conversation that we had at the time, traveling, maybe passing through a cafe or in the train or whatever, the most random scenario, and all these weren't clients of mine. We never got close enough to become friends. And yet there was something in our connection at the time in random locations. It may have just been one conversation that shifted everything for them in their lives. And it was so fascinating that I got multiple of these messages because people follow me. They see me go through this transformation. I think there's, how do I say, with this awakening of my feminine, there's a softness and a welcoming that is expanding that allows for these messages to come but also as a response from the universe to say to me you don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur or position yourself under a label such as intimacy life coach in order to know that you are planting seeds or having an effect it is actually through my stories and through being the living example of how i live that is actually probably spreading a lot more beauty and love in a very profoundly effective way that none of my courses could ever really reach. And that is coming from my feminine, the way I see it. Because it's not craving that recognition, wanting to be seen for it, but really coming from passion, coming from feeling when I want to share in the moment. So, <laughs> I wrote down a few questions, which I was hoping to integrate throughout everything that I shared for you to contemplate, that really have to do with like, yeah, how do you value yourself as a woman regarding, you know, the shift in priority? The, the anecdotes that I gave through plant medicine, it's like, it just showed me like, yeah, the value I have for the warrior I am or the independent woman or the entrepreneur. But what about this fertility piece? What about this part of you that wants to just be a woman sometimes? And I know I've said this literally in, in various of my recent podcast episodes, ever since I got pregnant. No, there's one with Ruan, I think we recorded it in July, where I also say that, it's like, ah, oh, it's so nice to just be a woman. And yeah, there is a, <laughs> there is a let it go, letting go, a surrender, a allowing yourself to indulge in this energy that is needed, no? And it requires us as women in this particular phase of life, no? Let's say, late 20s, 30s, to be clear, what is priority and to allow for that sacrifice to happen so that the space is there for that seed to have the ability to sprout. Otherwise, we just end up getting in our own way. And to really see like, okay, how can the way that you find satisfaction change? Maybe satisfaction is not the right word, but really that value that is different to the way that you receive value that can be measured from your masculine input. And it really just comes down to allowing for that shift to happen, no? And to see like, okay, where can you allow more and direct 
less, do less, and trust for things to fall into place. Because very often it's not, oh, I do this and therefore, oh, I've gone to this retreat and therefore I've done the work and therefore my man should now show up in my life. It's all a paradox. To allow the power of the feminine is a paradox. Love is a paradox. You have to know what you want and give it all up. And when you can give it all up, you can have it all. (laughs) So here's a page of my diary in which I describe just a little bit of this altered state of consciousness. Yeah, to the best of my ability, you know? (laughs) I've entered a deeper state of dream, of ultimate presence. When I allow it fully, it is the most precious state to be in. Connected, full of flavor, and yet this profound serenity that I've not experienced before, ever. A serenity that says nothing matters anymore. I could do those things I thought I wanted to accomplish before birth, or not. I could go out, see friends, write, sing, dance, or I could do absolutely nothing in particular and be present with what is and feel absolutely accomplished. This space is full within itself. It's overflowing. And when I allow it fully, it is the most timeless, translite state in which I am completely in love. In love with life, with our child, with Ruan, our lives, our dogs, and all that is here, right now, in this moment. The sound of the wind and the trees, the birds, the dancing of the shadows as the sunlight passes through the treetops. Sometimes I have no inspiration to cook even, or dance, or go to the beach, or any of these simple things that rejuvenate me, usually. If it were up to me, I would be naked with Ruan all day, and touch his skin and sniff his hair. Honestly, that's all I want, to be held, to hold, and to not let go. I never knew how good this kind of attachment feels. It's so beautiful, like the most delicious meal, nourishing, mouth-watering, ultimately satisfying. The only moments I get frustrated is when I don't allow the state to drown me completely, when I resist indulging in this divine nothingness. The Make Love to Life podcast is the place where we get naked and have a real conversation. So if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe. And if you want more personal updates, you can follow me on Instagram or sign up for my newsletter on nalayachakana.com. See you next time.